You're a musician, aren't you, Dave? Yes, I am. What instrument do you play? Drums. Well, uh, we'll count that. Wouldn't you love a show on WPSC Brave New Radio at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays that would answer all your questions about how the music business works? Sort of like a Music Biz 101. Exactly. Wait, isn't there a show on at that time called Music Biz 101 and More that brings faculty and students from WP's music and entertainment management programs together with industry guests that take call-in questions and tweets from listeners about the biz? Yep. It's had all last spring, and it's starting up again every Wednesday at 8 p.m. right here on 88.7 WPSC. Yes! There were great guests like Steve Lees from Sirius Radio and Aaron Van Dyne, who handles business affairs for KISS, Three Doors Down, Dave Matthews Band, and more. Also, Carl Guthrie, legendary entertainment attorney, and Paul Sinclair, VP of Digital for Atlantic Records. So, Steve, who's lined up for this semester? We have Dave Laurie, who will talk about tour management, Sean Rosenberg, a social media guru, and Sean and Rachel from Blue Raven Entertainment, just to name a few. Wow, sounds great. And it's free. That's right. Free advice every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. live at Music Biz 101 and more on WPSC 88.7 Brave New Radio. Music Biz, Music Biz, Music Biz, Music Biz, Music Biz, Music Biz, 101 and more. Music biz, music biz, music biz, 101 and more. We're listening to Ali Mack. The world is ours on Music Biz, 101 and more. WPSC, Brave New Radio. This is the brand new hit song, Ali Mack. The world is ours. This is the contest winner from our theme show. Theme song, yes. Ali Mack. She's with us tonight, Allison McKenzie. They all say hello. We are listening to Music Biz, 101 and more. On Brave New Radio, 88.7 WPSC FM, we have our producer with a, 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 a we have our producer, Philip Gorkowski. Producer Philip Gorkowski, it's good to have you back, Philip. We have Dr. Esteban Marcone, who is the co-host of the night, yes! So, Dave, where are we going to be in eight days? In eight days, we are going to be in ah, Anaheim. 72 degrees yes. today. In Anaheim, California, yes, with 72 degrees. Wow. Wow. We are going to the big eight NAM days. convention. Right. What, what does NAM stand for? Um... North America, no, National Association of Music Merchandisers, <laughs> yes, right? I'm only playing with you. <laughs> okay. So, Happy New Year, Dave. Yes, and Happy New Year to you. Good, and Happy New Year, Phil. Thank you, Okay, we're starting a whole semester of shows, exciting shows and different shows, and tonight's going to be even quite different, let's say, than we have been doing in the past. We have a very successful alum who is making money with her own music. I'm going to say a lot of money, making money with her <laughs> on music and we have a senior here who is actually very talented not only as a singer but of course our theme song composer and that is Allie Mack and Lauren right. Marsh good to have you all there thank you so you can leave Dave if you want we have enough people here I am not needed that's right, right. but I will tell the audience that this is the only free advice college radio music and entertainment business talk show and podcast in every America on the earth, and you can find us. This is going to be a podcast. Many of you will be listening on Stitcher Radio on the podcast. You can always find us on the web at musicbiz101wp.com. We're on Twitter at musicbiz101wp. Same with Instagram and Facebook, musicbiz101wp. And we have a lot to talk about. So, Steve, why don't we jump right in? Sure. 
first we want to say any more about the contest winner? I think we should first. We should we should do that now, uh, Allison. We announced this contest way back in the fall that we were going to have a we were looking for a theme song contest. Uh, we have running a theme song contest. We needed somebody to win this contest, and you get the intro and the outro of this radio show for all of 2015, and maybe this will go till 2020. We're unsure yet. We're working on that would con- be awesome. contract with the William <laughs> Patterson Broadcasting Network, and you also got to be appear on Philip Gorachowski's show before yes. this and how did that go that was a lot of fun uh it was great to just like talk about you know my roots in music and how i started and, and where i'm going what we're going to do is uh we recorded your 20 minute interview or so yes. with philip and we're going to turn that into a podcast as mm-hmm. well so that'll be a bonus podcast the ally mac podcast mm-hmm. so we'll make sure people have access to that on the mobile stitcher network mobile stitcher network yes, not that more content so. yeah there we go. exactly more content to share yes so uh you're a pop major here as well Yes, yeah, okay. I'm a pop music major here. Um, I started in 2013, and I'm graduating in May. So going to have to, uh, you know, figure it out and continue pursuing the, uh, the solo career and working with Big Beat at the same time. What is Big Beat? Big Beat is? So Big Beat is a 19-piece big band. Um, they play R&B, soul, jazz. Uh, they, they even play some of my music. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's great that we have a pop music major here at William Patterson, who's about to graduate because our main guest of the evening is a pop music major who did graduate. Yes. Correct. And that would be Lauren Marsh. Right. Lauren Marsh. I so, made it through. <laughs> that's right. Well, so what's been going on? You left here in in May of... 2014. Okay. And I released my new record, um, The Incurable Heart, in uh, September of 2014. Mm-hmm. So directly after graduating. Um, you know, I've... I mean, it's my career has really been sort of it started in college and, you know, it's, you know, continuing on after college, um, you know, but during college, I you know started touring anywhere from, you know, Pittsburgh up to Boston. And I'm continuously doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just recently after right after I released my new record, The Incurable Heart, I started a monthly performance residency at the New York City Club, the Beluga Bar. Mm-hmm. Been wow. there monthly. I've also been performing at the Rockwood Music Hall. Um, continue touring. Um, and I recently am really excited to announce, um, have been selected to showcase at the Millennium Music Conference in Harrisburg, PA, Good. as well as the Singer-Songwriter Conference mm-hmm. um, in Cape May, New Jersey. In Great. A Cape May conference in which Dr. Stephen Marconi and I will be speaking. Oh, my wow. God, that's phenomenal. Like March, yes. uh, like March 23rd. Or yeah. March 27th. March 27th. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll be Great. there for So if people events. want to hear you before you can get into everything... Uh, where are you next? People uh, where's my come... next show? Sure. People oh, uh, to see you. this Saturday, I'll be doing a 20, 30 minute set in Lawrenceville, New Jersey at Amalfi's. We're doing a little, um, a singer songwriter sort of cafe thing. Great. It's at a bar. So, you know, come on out and have a couple drinks. <laughs> Great. Great. That sounds Great. Like fun. Yeah. All right. So what have you done to, besides performance, what have you done to sort of get some revenue going? Some revenue. Um, well, I think, you know, my biggest thing that I've really learned um, since starting in this career is that as as far as making money, it really depends how you're spending your money. Um, so making really smart investments and sufficient investments. So, um, you know, and instead of sort of spending money on a website designer, you know, I do my own website. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But in turn, you know, instead, I'm really investing in my music and in the te- integrity of my music. So mm-hmm. working with um, an amazing producer like Chris Badami at Porsche Recording Studios mm-hmm. so that when I'm emailing all these promoters to get gigs, they go to my website and they hear my music and then I get booked. So, you know, as far as making money, it really goes hand in hand with spending it and investing it in mm-hmm. the right places. So now I've, you know, I've opened up for two international touring artists, Howie Day and Anna Nolik. And, you know, those are paying performances sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I've also, um, you know, started uh, working in the college market. And that has been just, you know, it's been beneficial for so many artists, including myself. Um, And besides any revenue from those shows, I've also found that um, anyone I'm playing for and the people who are bringing me to their colleges, they actually end up being extreme, um, just amazing people who stick with me throughout my career. And mm-hmm. I consider a lot of them friends when I go to see them at colleges. So right. um, that's kind of the experience I've been having so far. Sort of an Amanda Palmer sort of yeah. <laughs> way of doing it, mm-hmm. to befriend someone and then make sure you don't lose them and keep staying in contact with well, them. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's, I mean, that's one of the easiest things to do. I mean, they're just such amazing people, and um, they're so supportive, and, you know, they check in with me. Even if I'm not coming to their school, they still check in and say, hey, like, I saw you put out this new video. I love it. And um, it's amazing that then when I do get a chance to either go to their school and be in the area, they come out, and I catch up with them. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's been really a great experience so far. And you have merch to sell? I do, yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you have? Well, I have two of my records. I have the new one. Mm-hmm. It's called The Incurable Heart. This is the deluxe edition. It has three bonus tracks on it. Um, mm-hmm. This is the new one I just released uh, this fall in September. Mm-hmm. And this is my debut EP, Ready for Takeoff, that I released in 2012 of my junior year here. Mm-hmm. So I have some of those, and I also have uh, some T-shirts with me and comp cards and magnets who doesn't want a magnet <laughs> right well you learn too that you need something for all pocketbooks yeah and i think people are less likely to throw out a magnet they're more likely to go home and slap it on the fridge and then the next time they have friends over who's this little person right, right exactly. on your refrigerator exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. well that's the whole point in merchandising is to Number one, get something for everyone so you have all different price points. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that it is something that's a little unique and visible. Yes. So that it's beyond the T-shirt because who looks at a T-shirt anymore, basically? (laughs) Yeah, there's so many, you know. I mean, there's just so many sites where you can just, like, go on and make a T-shirt. It could be for any purpose, you know. Yeah, and Dave and I were just talking about this today, about unique or different or creative merch things that you can do. And we were talking about... Uh, our good friend Harvey Leeds, who manages Southside Johnny, and he said Johnny now has a fly swatter, and he has um, a tote, <laughs> tote bag for yeah. the beach. Oh, and besides the normal stuff, right? But this this other stuff that is really you know Christmas ornament, and oh, a Christmas that is cool. ornament for, tree. for the right, tree, yeah. yeah, and all these things that don't have to be expensive, but they certainly are sort of. Unique enough that someone may even pick it up and say, boy, you know, and that's yeah. it. So what are you doing? For example, you mentioned the, the magnets, right? Yes. And, um, and the T-shirts. So what is your process from actually designing and purchasing this merch? Where are you going? Who's designing it? How much are you paying? Mm-hmm. And then are you selling it at the, at the gigs for revenue or is it... Are you doing a bundle? To, is this and do you treat the CD as a piece of merch? Um, is do you consider this a, a revenue stream for you, or is it giveaway uh, a short term an investment in your future? 
Um, well, it's, I mean, uh, for all my gigs, I try to, I mean, for some of the um, ones that are harder to get to, it's hard to bring all the t-shirts out to. But um, I definitely, I've done many things like packages. Um, during my record release um, show, when I had that back in October, I actually took both records, I put them back to back, and then in my OO Hold My Heart music video, we had a bunch of O's, like it was actually see them probably, it's just like a little black and white piece of paper, and it's like black on one side with like white lettering, and white on the other side with black lettering, and I put one of those O cards in between the two CDs and signed them mm-hmm. to make that unique, so that was like a package that you could get and have one of the actual O cards that was actually in the music video wow. that you can go see, so yeah, we did that, and then... Um, one thing I wanted to show you guys is that this is my new T-shirt, and we only printed 150 of them. Mm-hmm. It has the record, uh, the title on it. Right. And what I did for every one of them is I gave them each a number. Wow. So this is number 36 out of 150, oh, so that when you buy bar. them, right. you know. Oh yes, <laughs> I'm taking a picture, everyone. <laughs> um, so that when you buy one, it's not only signed by me, but it also it lets you know that. You know, I didn't make like 200 or 300 of them that you have a special one out of 150 mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully down the line might be a lot of money. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> so it's do like you doing have a... your own logo? Uh, yeah, yeah, I oh, do. do. Yeah, I worked with a graphic designer um, who helped me out with my logo. And that has even, um, I've just received so many compliments, you know, when I put an entire press kit together that if I have, you know, if I just quickly put a... a quick list of goals that I have, you know, if I'm leading with like a PR company or a booking company, different goals, I just put my logo at the top and all of a sudden it looks, you know, nice. It looks mm-hmm, proper mm-hmm, and absolutely. like I thought about it. I didn't just say, this is Lauren Marsh and yeah, type it, it out. Yeah, professional. Yeah. So, exactly. and it's been great just to be able to kind of stick it wherever. I think I even have, this is, I think my older logo, but I have it on a sticker on my bag. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So. Cause I was thinking about like, you know, like, do I just put like my name in a cool font or do I just well, invest in a logo? I mean, I, I yeah, you can. I mean, it, it's definitely. I mean, I think it's. Um, if I think if you found like a font chart and just looked at a bunch of different fonts and kind of thought about maybe what you identify most with, that's what always it felt like with a logo to, a logo to me. And that's what um, my graphic designer did with me mm-hmm. was, um, you know, I described kind of what I thought I wanted, maybe picked out some samples. But in the end of the day, it was okay. Well, what do you feel you identify most with, like your branding image? Like, what do you think really speaks to you and how you want to look? So. Right. So you're looking at. You're a complete package that the music has to complement or the vice versa, but your look, your logo, your website, oh, yeah, all et cetera, have to be concise, concise. is all has one sort of a brand or a theme mm-hmm. that is you. Yes. Uh, and that's something that I think it's probably easier for a single artist than a band because a yeah. band, then you have four different opinions and five different opinions and, and so on. But it's still very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, back 40 years ago with the Rolling Stone tongue, and everybody knows that's the Rolling yeah. Stones, period. You know, whoever yeah. decided, but of course it was Mick Jagger's mm-hmm. tongue, supposedly. <laughs> so we try to uh, emphasize that with people. And many times in classes, we pull up somebody's, um, let's say we pull up the website, and then we play the music. And we ask the class, does this website represent and yes or no, and we get a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. You know, more wow. no's than yeses, actually. And it's not an easy thing to accomplish. But I see, you know, you're giving a lot of thought to, the listeners can't see it, but we can see it, mm-hmm. giving a lot of thought to the appearance of this and the appearance of you. Thank you. And I just sent out a tweet of, of your T-shirt. Yay! So mm-hmm. our tweet. listeners, yeah, can check out the tweet and please do retweet it. 
awesome. Yeah. So what did you learn here? Oh, well, oh my gosh, so many things. <laughs> oh, I, I was really, you know, thinking about it. And I, um, you know, being able to start my career while studying at William Patterson, while recording with Chris Badami, I can't even think of a better amazing situation, you know, just to... If I ever had a question or needed brainstorming, I could easily just go to, you know, mm-hmm. one of my professionals, you know, professors, and you guys are professionals in the industry, you know, you guys have so much experience and so much to share. And, um, you know, I, I learned so much and it's been an amazing um, thing to be able to look back on and know that I was able to start my career um, and have all those, you know, just things at, you know, my disposal. Um, Great. Great. So you see in the future, Dave, don't you? I won't see it. Mm. But you see the Lauren Marsh. School oh, the, the, the Lauren Moore School of school Music. music. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, Paul Green has one. Why can't I have one? That's why we're you having know. you on the show. We're there buttering we up to you. Awesome. <laughs> we're thinking 25 years down the line. Okay. Multi billionaire. I'll book it in. It's all that streaming okay. revenue from Spotify. Yeah, right. it'll add up at some point. <laughs> that's what we hope, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, let, let's go back to, to, to revenue and things mm. like that because uh, you are getting your music out there. And you, you mentioned how you did make the CDs, and you did. So you're selling them at, at the events. Mm-hmm. On your website, um, you, you can listen to the CD. I mean, you can listen to the, yeah, to the, on the Incurable Heart. And it, on, on connected your, on, through Spotify. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that way, it's still going back to streaming revenue as much as we try. <laughs> right, right. Now, right. how are you getting on Spotify? Who's your uh, aggregator? Do uh, I go through TuneCore. You use TuneCore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I go through. I, I mean, there's um, there's so many people who have really asked me, you know, which one's better between CD Baby and TuneCore. And I think they're just, you know, as, you know, I'm sure you guys know, they're just two different ways of doing it. You know, one, you pay more up front, but they take a less percentage. The other mm-hmm. one, you pay less up front, but they take a bigger percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like TuneCore. Um, I've never had any issues with it. Um, and now the new thing with TuneCore is that you can monetize your YouTube videos through it and start making making revenue through that because, you know, the only way to really start making money on YouTube is when you have over 500, you know, followers and everything. So just starting out, you can already just start monetizing your YouTube videos, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then also doing like Google AdWords and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And are you also, uh, just to win away? Uh, uh, I had a great question. Well, I had a question oh, man. Too. Yeah, I know. Oh. So, so back to the website real quick, uh-huh. okay? Um, because I know you, one thing you brought up. Because uh, I'm writing down lessons that we're learning from you as Great. we go, and one thing was the, spending the money wisely and how mm. you developed your own website. And Allison actually and I were talking about her website, and sh- we were looking at your website and what yeah. you did, mm-hmm. and you ended up using Squarespace. S- Squarespace, which is what you use for your. I website. love Squarespace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I um I used WordPress before, and I think. WordPress is an amazing website builder, but I think you need to be a bit more tech savvy with HTML um, and just just a bit more tech savvy. Um, mm-hmm. Squarespace mm-hmm. is extremely user friendly, and I think that really helps out when you're working with entrepreneurs who, whether they're in the music industry business or another business, um, they're trying to do as much as they can to like save money in some areas, but they still want it to look professional, and they still want to be able to go in there and get what they need done. You know, sometimes if I if, you know, I even have people like tell me when there's something wrong on my website, you know, and I feel like a teacher at the chalkboard. And you're like, I know I spelled it wrong. And <laughs> so it's easy just to be able to go back in really quick and change it. And um, Squarespace is really proven to be in a unique tool, as, you know, Alice and I were talking about. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, but there's so many other ones like Wix, I know, I think that's one. And mm-hmm. um, but I've always I've always loved Squarespace. I'm really I'm really good with it. Well, I, th- I think the key, the key there is besides spending the money wisely and doing it yourself is 
Did you learn by yourself how to do it? Yes. And that's, yeah. I, I built websites <laughs> and I just learned by myself and p- anybody can do it. I always say, if I can do it, you guys can do it because right. I'm not the most brilliant person in the world. You just have to sit down and give it yeah. time. And I, I remember with uh, WordPress, I would, um, so funny thinking back, you know, I'd get out of class and at night I'd be like, oh my gosh, I really need to get these changes done. And I would just be reading through lines and lines of HTML yeah. and being like, how do I change this? I really want to change this. So, but you know, I went back to Squarespace. It really, you know, it was, um, I had had so much experience with WordPress that it just came so easily, but it was learning. And I even now have learned how to do not a lot, but small graphic design work. Mm-hmm. So that, um, I mean, obviously for record artwork and a t-shirt and stuff like that, I'm really not going to be doing that. But, you know, I'll go to a professional for that. But I have learned enough so that when I want to do a poster that I'm going to hang up somewhere or I'm going to, you know, make a new um, Facebook cover photo and I want to look professional, I've learned enough on my own just messing with it that I can do that. And, and that's a huge lesson for DIY artists is they need to take control and they yeah. and, and not say, oh, I don't know how. And then not do it. Yeah, no, know? that's, yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Yeah, a lot, you just have to teach yourself. You have to force yourself to do this kind yeah, of stuff. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of Fiverr.com? I have not. You've, what is you've that? Heard, oh, you go, no, I the, the, the word five, then two R's.com. Er. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. For $5, you go onto this website, and for $5, somebody will do make a logo for you. Wow. Uh, the that's graphic cool. designers, they'll oh, do an intro to your videos. All the, I've used them a number of times. And yeah. You're only at five bucks if what you get back you don't like. That's but, true. But we talked yeah. about like a logo for Alice, and you could go to three different designers on Fiverr.com, give them each five mm-hmm. bucks, tell them exactly what you want for a logo, and you'll get them back within, say, a week from these people in like a JPEG or the format that you need. Yeah. And if it's if it's good, you can use one of them. If it stinks, then you're only out 15 bucks. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. That's amazing. I'll have to check that out. Thank yeah. you. Very yeah. helpful. It's a very helpful Definitely. site. Now, with your videos, have you been doing them, uh, they've been produced professionally? Yes. Uh, and who does the concept? Um, it's definitely a big collaboration. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, like, you know, when I'm writing a song, I'll have an idea of maybe, you know, obviously I know what the song's about and I wrote it about something. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to play out well, you know, in a video sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I take a lot of the emotions and things that I see and I'll talk with my vi- videographer about maybe um, some of the things that they see and feel from it because that's a big thing too in music is that, you know, my song might mean something to me, but I care so much about what it also means to everybody else and kind of, you know, having those visual effects as well. So it, sometimes it is very collaborative um, and sometimes, you know, we kind of really do go with a lot of the things that I'm seeing and I'm feeling for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk about, talk Talk about the uh, most recent video that you did and where your mm-hmm. video director came from. You didn't, <laughs> he didn't come from Jersey. Uh, he did not. Uh, he flew in all the way from Germany, Christoph Mangler, and he's done uh, a lot of amazing work for people over in Germany, a band specifically that Chris Badami works with, um, Jennifer Rostock, so he, and they're on Warner over in Germany. Um, he does absolutely amazing work, so it was it was actually financially beneficial to fly him in and work with him than work with anybody at his caliber in the U.S. Mm. It, we actually saved money doing that. Um, but, you know, he came in and he, you know, he actually had a lot of like the visuals coming in for Oh, oh Hold My Heart. And um, in a lot of ways. So what I really do in this video is I go around. It was just released back in July. I go around and I collect all these small O's and they come into this larger O. So all of them together shape this really big O. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, you know, I always say right before I play this song, the song's called Oh, Oh, Hold My Heart. And that's exactly what this guy didn't do. Um, so what it really was for me was all those small O's represented times where things were just kind of 
not going well, crumbling, not working out. And it kind of came to that larger picture of, you know, the reality of mm-hmm. how things were. Mm-hmm. So it was fun how, you know, those two ideas, like his idea of the O and the visual effects really melded in with my emotions and how I was feeling. And um, they really came together in the video. And it, I had an amazing time working with him. We filmed the entire thing in one week and I had it back within two or three weeks that he edited it from. But right. it was fun because you have all these different, you know, time measurements from uh, U.S. you know videos and European videos. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really cool to get to work with somebody who wasn't from America, and um, you know, it was just really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's great that you did again. Good lesson. You priced it around. You talked yes. to a number of different companies. Mm-hmm. I remember oh yeah up with one or two, yes. and then. Um, you realized that the best way to do this was to literally fly a guy in from another country yeah. to do the work and then fl- set him up in wherever he stayed for a night or two yeah. and then fly him back. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was just so, um, you know, he, the biggest thing that I really think I've been able to surround myself with are people who are very excited about independent music. Um, but they also work with labels. So it's the same thing with Chris Chris Badami and Christoph Mangler. They work with everybody from major labels to independent labels to independents mm-hmm. like myself. And, you know, they they just love music so much. And they I guess, you know, um, they like my music enough to kind of go that extra mile and, you know, be there for me and, like, let me, you know, do my art with them. So it, it's I've been very honored to have them working with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that you have a residency coming up at the Beluga Bar. Yes. Uh, talk about how that came about. Who did, did, Was this all done by yourself? Do you have a booking agent that you're working with? Uh, no, this? I do. I really do do everything. I do mm-hmm. the booking. I do my PR. I do my marketing. I do my social media. I do my website. I do graphic design. Um, and when it comes to booking, I... I when I say like emailing promoters all day, I actually do that. And I um, have a schedule of how often I email them. It's like how often you're going to harass somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But hey, it works, right? Meaning you have um, you have like a, a chart, oh, like a, oh, yeah. an Excel spreadsheet you need to of do who you that. talk to. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Write yeah. down every person you email, what day you email them. You know, if it got kicked back, write down that that email did not work. Don't send again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I write down every single time I email somebody. Um, it's good though. And where are you oh, getting the name? Where are you getting the names? Just googling. Oh yeah, Google mm-hmm. has everything. And um, but yeah, so with the Beluga Bar, um, I had originally been booked by them once before. Um, this is kind of a funny story at the Tribeca Tap House in New York City. And the Tribeca Tap House is an amazing. It's such a great bar upstairs, but downstairs it had like this room and it had. Um, cement flooring but they tried to use a drum there and it wasn't a good idea um so they ended up <laughs> a, one of the presidents of a record company came to see one of their artists there and said you need to change the venue <laughs> so they changed the venue to the beluga bar and it's absolutely an amazing venue and everybody there is so lovely every single time we go in it's amazing and um the people who run the show are just so i i love them so much they're just such great people to work with and um, yeah, so we ended up playing at the Blue Bar now, and it's turned into a monthly residency where every um, Friday, you know, one Friday of every month, I am performing there. And this January, um, January thirtieth, I'll be there with my full band, which is the first time I'll have my full band there. And, and that's a paid gig every f- that once a month when you're there. Mm-mm. No, okay, no, that's- but mm-hmm. I mean, I w- I've been doing it solo for like a really long time now, and the way it kind of works is that depending on how many people you bring sometimes but for me the um i think it's really important to have gigs that you know are just going to be there to kind of help you um be practicing rehearsing filling your schedule and it it really has turned out to be more than that which has been um, really great every single time i'm there i'm able to hand out cards and people are very excited so it's been a really great fan base builder in a lot of ways 
And, and why did they ask you to do the residency real quick? Is it just because you were nice to them or you, people are coming in and saying um, nice things? I, I think that's just how they run their show. And I think that they've really always enjoyed having me. And I, I think I can always bring out a lot of people. So it's just um, they've always been really great. And it's just kind of turned into one of those things. And um, that's one of the things I've been kind of, you know, I think a lot of artists should look into is having a place you perform monthly at. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to, this show is more than monthly, Music Biz 101 and more, and we are going to go to a break real quick. We have a little Ally Mack, The World Is Ours, playing, and when we come back, we're going to take a lot of your tweet questions. We also want to talk about NACA, and if you don't know what what NACA is, on the other side, you'll find out. Music Biz 101 and more. How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi. And me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. (laughs) If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. is the music of Lauren Marsh, our guest here on Music Biz 101 More. Lauren Marsh, everybody! That's O-O. Is it O-O, Hold My Heart? O-O, Hold My Heart. Okay. O-O, Hold My Heart from The Incurable Heart. Yes. The the album that came out in September of 2014. Correct. And we were talking with Lauren all about her 
foray into the music business. She's a graduate of William Patterson Pop Music Program. We're also here with Allie Mack, who is our theme song winner. Allie Mack. Allie Mack. (laughs) With Philip Gorachowski, who is our producer. Philip Gorachowski! And of course, Dr. Stephen Marconi. And by the way, that tune is on Spotify. It is. Yes, Yes, Spotify. We were actually um, listening. Can, Can I say that we were listening to the YouTube version of it? Yeah. I did. <laughs> you know, that was uh, we were actually watching the video as you listened to it. Uh, very very cool. Um, and again, that's from the Incurable Heart. Go to laurenmarsh.com. Yes, correct. And that's where you can listen to the whole record, or go to Spotify and type in Lauren Marsh, or you can buy it on iTunes. That would not be too bad for you. Not too shabby. No, no. Or see her see her live. One question we have for you before we get to all the tweets. We have about fifty tweets for you. Oh my goodness! So we're going to see how many we get to. <laughs> we want to know if I say the the. Analog, I don't know. NACA, what is that? NACA. Anagram? Yeah. What you, MASH, what is that? M A S H. That is a. Uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, not an anagram. No, not. That's a. a um, can we make it? Sure, it is. Yeah. It starts with an A. Anyway, if I. If acronym? I, acronym? Acronym. Lauren, you win yourself a, a Lauren Marsh t shirt. Oh, man. Very, very I'm going to wear them all. All right. If I say the acronym uh-huh. NACA. What does that mean to you, and what can you tell us about NACA and how that's affected you in your career? Okay. Well, um, NACA, first of all, it stands for the National Association of Campus Activities. Um, they uh, they run themselves nationally based um, – they cut themselves in the little regions. So, you know, there's the Northeast, uh, the Mid-Atlantic, the Southwest – the Northern Plains, but I have only really uh, attended the Mid-Atlantic, the Northeastern, and I've also done the National Festival, and they also have, or conference, and they also have the Mid-Atlantic Festival, which will be in March. Um, It's a little bit smaller. It's for smaller schools with smaller budgets, trying to accommodate everybody. Um, But basically, you go there, and um, if you're on my end of things as a performer, um, you're going in as an associate. And then all the schools, actually, William Patterson is a member of NACA. So any event you see on campus, whether it's a comedian, um, if they have a DJ, if they have glow-in-the-dark mini golf, that's probably bought from NACA. I was actually even hired by William Patterson through NACA for a performance last spring, which was kind of fun. Um, So basically, you go um, to the conference, and I was extremely... um, you know, excited and honored to have been selected to showcase at the conference itself because you apply. So I got to showcase at both the Northeastern and the Mid-Atlantic and hopefully the Mid-Atlantic Festival. Um, And the idea really is for block booking. Yeah, they try. They definitely try to get that to happen. Create some sort of a tour that isn't Mm -hmm. 400 miles one way than 400 miles the other way. Right. So if a school out in Pittsburgh books me and two other schools in Pittsburgh book me within three days, I believe. Oh, three and five days. Right. So three and five days, then they get get me for a cheaper amount. Mm -hmm. And then if it's five within seven days, then they, again, my price comes down because they have five performances within seven days. Mm -hmm. But it's all, um, they have to be within four hours of each other. Um, mm-hmm. I have yet to really get a block formed, um, but I've. It's been a, a really um, beneficial thing. It's it's so much fun to be there and go there, and I've been touring at colleges, you know, all along the eastern coast. And um, you know, last year um, I was out to Pittsburgh and up to Boston. This year I'll be back out in Pittsburgh, but I'll be also up in New Hampshire and um, up in upstate New York as well. 
Um, so it's it's been just so much fun. And as I, as I mentioned before, I mean, the students are just absolutely amazing people, the people who come out to the shows. And I stay in contact with everybody. And, you know, they, they really do follow your music. And if you're ever just, you know, if I'm ever out at another show that may not be at their school, they still come out, you know, and they still come out and say hi. And um, it's, it's really fun because when you get to play at these colleges, a lot of times when I'm going out as a solo artist, it's for coffee houses. So it's kind of like at William Patterson. Now we have that Starbucks. So I'd be, I could be playing there. And, you know, you really start to connect with everybody in that audience. And I, I think that's true to be said at any coffee house or small intimate performance. And explain how you get into NACA. You, you, you just become a member. You, but you pay money, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you go to an event, a, a yes. big like show. You, you pay to be show. there. You pay for a membership. You pay for the booth. You pay to actually be in your booth. You pay to showcase. But if you get one gig, you will have broken even. And so when we talk about a booth, it's it's like a big trade show, for example, yes. right? And mm-hmm. and school personnel college personnel will go to this trade show and yes. they'll go from booth to booth and watch a video of yours or they'll, they'll listen yeah. to music? Yeah, I mean, the way I do it, in my booth I have a really big TV and it's set up with my videos and then I have a computer with songs and I also have an iPod um, and I have a bunch of different posters of my banner and I have different boards that might talk about um, just venues I've played at or I talk about my screen vision or that, you know, my debut EP was the um, top indie EP release of the year. And, you know, you just kind of bring everything that you've ever done that's an accomplishment because it's another way of, like, validating your music, you know, even though, um, I don't know if you guys know Teddy Geiger, it might be standing right down next to me. It's still a way of validating yourself. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the students, they love so much kind of music that they've, they've all been um, very my music, at least, has been very well received there, and I've had a really great experience so far. Because I was talking to, we have a, a, a student, Tim Geisen is his yeah. name, and actually during the break, awesome. we heard his Music Biz 101 and more jingle. He won honorable mention in our theme song contest. Mm-hmm. And Tim has uh, some great original music that's very uh, well tailored for the college audience. So I was talking to Tim about NACA and how he should be listening tonight and listen to how it is. So the upfront cost, is it is it like $1,200 or something if you want to do all this yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned, yeah. uh, but you get one gig and you're breaking even. Yes. So, the average amount amount for a singer-songwriter at NACA is twelve fifty for an hour. For, for them to book you? Yes. Um, the highest I've ever seen a singer-songwriter solo artist is 1500 mm-hmm. But you're playing for like an hour, a half hour, an hour and a half. Um, bands are usually about 2500 to 3000 If um, If it's like a lead touring act like Teddy Geiger, um, I know Howie Day, that's actually how he got his start and I've opened for him. Um, they're probably going to be a bit more than that. Um, but you know, that's, I mean, the lowest I've ever seen a singer songwriter is about a grand. Do you have to be a college student to be a member of NACA to get booked? No. Because didn't you no. mention you, you know, a, uh, a couple who they make a living, all they do is NACA gigs? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. Um, oh, what are they called? Oh no. Oh, my brother's probably yelling at me right now. Oh mm. gosh. Okay. Well, they, they have such a cute name cause they're a married couple and they actually just had a baby and they still tour mm-hmm. with the baby on the caboose, you know, she mm-hmm. you know, goes right along. Um, and they're so loving. Um, Heather and Mark, they've, they were, I mean, that's my thing about I love about NACA is that I haven't met one person who, if I had a question, wouldn't help me. They are just so helpful. But yeah, there are people who they just make their living off of doing NACA tours. And, you know, they literally are just touring all the time to different colleges. And it's, I, for them, they, they appear to be very successful and it's worked very well for them, you know, personally. 
and, mm-hmm. and, and Dr. Stephen Marconi um, can attest to NACA yeah. not being a fly-by-night thing because you said you were a member of NACA yeah, years ago. Yeah, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it's and actually, we had a string yeah. of dates. I think we did a string of dates through the upper Midwest mm-hmm. because of NACA, actually. Yeah. Places wouldn't even have heard of north of Chicago. And Is there anything north of Chicago besides <laughs> water? Why don't we move to the tweets? <laughs> the Arctic. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're trying to look for the right tweets for you. Okay. Let's see, because I was not prepared. Okay. Oh, okay. How about no. uh, first one? Okay. So, I can't pronounce this person's last name. Um, is it hard to balance school and music? We often see that artists seem to think that college can hold them back. Uh, do you regret it? So Not I- at all. First of all, having a degree is an amazing thing to have, no matter what. Um, and as much as you might have have hate having to take, uh, you know, an English writing course or a history course, it all was super beneficial. You know, um, you know, my English course really helped me to cut down my wordiness so that when I was writing a press release, I could see where I didn't need different words and that it was just kind of getting away from the point. And it is hard. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna soften that. It is definitely hard. There were times where I had to really beg teachers and be like, "Here's my CD, and here's a free way to get into my show coming up." Because I'm just not gonna be here for six classes. Right. Um, you know that definitely happened. Because as far as NACA, um, you're gonna be there from Thursday morning to the following Sunday, and that might mean that you need to be there Wednesday night, and then. It was funny, you know, I'm gone for like a couple weekends and long weekends from Thursdays on because of NACA conferences. And then I booked directly after performances for that November and that December. So all of a sudden I had to go out to Pittsburgh for a show, but I wasn't going to be back in time for like my Tuesday morning class. Mm -hmm. And I had already maybe missed something for something else. So all I can say is hand out CDs to your teacher. um, (laughs) Be there when you can be there. Do all your homework and offer to do all the extra credit possible. Um, so that it wasn't easy, but it was definitely an amazing experience, and I don't think I would change anything about it. All right, so we have one more question. Um, okay. What is the best way to promote yourself as a do-it-yourself artist? Um, well, I think you kind of answered your own question. Just do it all yourself, you know, yeah. and to be most as authentic as possible. Um, I, I There was one point this summer where, you know, right before I was really releasing my record, um, I think the biggest thing is to really think, you know, when it comes to branding and things like that, is to really think about who you are as a person and what you stand for, because that's what your brand should be standing on. That's what your song should be about. So if you're ever having sort of a breakdown of your brand or how to do it yourself, I think um, for me, I really just sat down and thought about the person that I want to be and how that should reflect in everything I do and my artistry. And um, the best way to promote yourself is to do everything, you know, everything you can for yourself for as long as you have to, really, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to keep it consistent and just to continually have motivation, you know, don't get um, distracted by a wall. You know, think about how to get around it. Mm-hmm. We want to thank Marla the Mermaid, by the way, for that okay. tweet. That was from Marla, Marla the Marla. Mermaid. Marla. Oh, I love that Twitter name. So the Jess Frank would like to know, what's the hardest part about being an artist yet still managing yourself, especially when it comes to touring and booking your own shows? Um, okay, for that I do goals. I do, um, you know, so for October I did my October goals. And um, I think it's really just man- by managing your time, you need to manage your goals. And um, when things happen, so, you know, when this whole Millennium Music Conference, um, you know, showcasing thing came and I have more exciting news with that. I don't know if I can announce it yet, though. But um, 
you know, as that came, it was about managing, okay, so I have a couple things coming up here. I want to promote them. I'm my own press agent and my own booking agent. So how do I write a really great email that, I, number one, I can send out to different blogs, magazines to say, I have all these things happening. In, in a lot of ways for magazines and blogs, you want to create the story for them. What is your story? How do you connect to them? Mm-hmm. Like read about the blog. What does that blog like to write about? Um, I think I'm answering the question. I, I get really off topic. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, kind of realizing as things are happening and as you're touring to kind of always see what is your story, where, where are you going to be in six months and a year, and how do I kind of write that out in a story for what's going on right now and send that out to different press coverage and other venues. Like, so using this money in music conferencing and saying, hey, uh, venue in New York that might have a touring headlining act coming in soon or a booking agency that has that touring act. I have all these things happening. I think I'm really great. These are all validating things. I think I'd be a great opener and just mm-hmm. learning how to kind of squeeze those things in and make it look viable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got one more question. It's from Tona Tiu Vasquez. What kind of things do you do to increase your fan base and how helpful uh, has social media been with regards to that? Well, social media is the epitome of having a fan base these days. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, the biggest thing that you really, really want to do is find a way to have your online fan base translate to the physical fan base that shows up at gigs. Mm-hmm. How do you get them to come out to your gigs, want to buy your CD, want to have a T-shirt, want to then bring their friends out um, and sort of have that kind of trickle streaming happening? Um, so social media is the best way to do that. And I, I think that... Again, it kind of goes back to doing it yourself and being yourself, you know, having that authenticity. People know when you're trying to be something you're not and people know when, you know, you're putting something out to seem like something else other than what you are. Um, So I think always having that foundation of knowing what you stand for, having that translate into your music, being determined enough to do it as much as you can yourself, um, you know, I think. Right. That's- and move that passive fan to An a fanatic right. fan. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And um, there's ways that you can even plan out your social media tweets. You know, there's exactly. a lot of different articles on that about don't always be like, I have a gig, I have a gig or um, quote, 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 you know, kind of mix it up throughout the week, you know, where you can have one as it's coming up close to your gig that talks about it. But they want to hear from you. They don't just want to hear sales pitches. Right. They want to hear about, you know, maybe during the week, say something funny that happened or a joke or then do like a lyric quote with a picture and then maybe, you know, find a way to make um, a line of all of your authenticity lead to coming out to a show and buying your music. And retweet a fan. Yeah, always. The next tweet is actually for both Allie Mack and Philip. I'm I'm sorry, and uh, Lauren. Come on, Philip. It's it's from uh, (laughs) Philip Engsberg. The question is, hey, for both you guys, could you describe your songwriting process? Allie Mack, you go first. Mm. Um, I usually, I start with melody first. I'm a big melody person. I love to like sing things around the car and, and make like, you know, record like memos on my phone. So I'll usually start with a melody and then I'll probably lay down some chords and and the lyrics are usually the last thing that I do. But that's, that's kind of my process as far as songwriting goes. That's awesome. You're just so cool and concise. (laughs) I'm a mess. I'm a gosh darn mess. It doesn't sound like it at all. Oh, I am. Are you kidding? (laughs) Sometimes it's melody. Like sometimes I'll be driving the car and I'll hear the melody and then I'll do a quick voice memo. Not while driving. I pull over everybody. (laughs) I'm not that dangerous. Um, 
sometimes I just sit down at the piano and I play the piano for a while and I hear chord progressions and I do that. And then sometimes I, I've always been a, I think every singer-songwriter, we love poetry. We're big yeah. poetry mm-hmm. fanatics mm-hmm. and addicts. And um, sometimes I just think of, you know, just different statements and words that I really like and I kind of put them together. Um, and then one time I have this really cool story. One time I actually like had an experience of the event and then I just wrote kind of what happened but it came out very like like in a song style yeah um, I love I, when that happens right I had this thing <laughs> where like I ran into somebody that I used to date and the thought in my head was I'm really glad I'm not dating you anymore <laughs> and it was like one of those weird things where like I'm happy for you I have no anger but I'm like I'm really glad that like you're gonna go that way and I'm gonna go this way and it, that's it and so mm. then I went home and I like just wrote the song like it's that rarely sometimes happens where it actually just happens and I just like this is the story that was cool. So it's always, I'm a mess. I'm you have either, that nice. Do either of you remember your dreams? Yes, every morning. Yeah, you do? Every morning. Wow. Sometimes that's I great. even play in my dreams. It's fun. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's, that's great. Because that, that, that's fodder for your entire process. Yeah. 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 I don't remember anything. No. Yeah. After two minutes, I'm really? done. Wow. <laughs> I come down in the morning and I'm like, this is what happened last night while I was dreaming. This is my dream. Like instead of coming home after work and be like, "This is my work day," I come home right. down in the morning and I'm like, "This wow. is my dream." Sting has a great song called "The Lazarus Heart" off of his album called "Nothing Like the Sun." It's a great song, mm-hmm. great sax solo in it. It's all about a dream, and it, it's it's the Ooh. most oddest song lyrically. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a dream. They're super trippy. <laughs> yeah, You're like, I, what exactly. was I thinking? I know. Next tweet by Taylor. Uh, question for Lauren. How did you decide what image you wanted your music to convey to your audience? Um, by being true to myself, really. I'm, you know, I, I really think about my morals and my goals in life and the kind of person that I want to be and um, how that and I, I guess I'm just I find myself very thankful that people have connected to that and have been like, oh, cool, Lauren. We like what you're about, because that's really what it is, is that mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be myself as much as possible. And um, I think I I know that so when I was very very little I was very outspoken but then as I was growing you know up through like middle school and um, uh, you know elementary school I was very quiet and I didn't speak out a lot and I was very afraid of being accepted I kind of like I guess everybody else at that time yeah um, I was very mm-hmm. just quiet and I didn't feel accepted I felt weird I was super I was like the tallest person in the class like gangly <laughs> it just didn't work out for me until like high school but um, so I think as I started to be more of myself and feel accepted and then I started sharing my music and like that was accepted like that was a huge thing for me and um so I really just try to be myself and that has worked out very well for my branding I don't know if I think that should work out very well for everybody because I think the more you are yourself the more people connect to you and that honesty kind of rings out louder than anything else and at the end of the day we all have issues we all have scars we all have that bad side but you know being yourself at the end of the day is what people are gonna I think connect to Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One more question from Daniel Ascuza. On the performance side of the music industry, how do you deal with anxiety? What is your mindset? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm still a mess. Oh, wow. I'm not. I, I guess what I try to concentrate on is turning any negative energy into positive, excited energy. So how to be excited about a show. And then I guess also really... Um, I get feeling more like I know what's going to happen during the show and feeling like I have control in the show, um, you know, whether that's over just yeah, making myself feel better about the show atmosphere. Um, but at the end of the day, you just kind of have to treat it like I was really big into sports growing up. So um, 
I think the biggest way I treat it is like you're going out on the soccer field or the basketball court or the football field and just say, I'm going to kill it and to have that confidence and to know your music, practice all the time because that will make you way more confident. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, what sort of risks have you taken that have paid off the best for you? Risks. Um, Oh, I like this one. Okay, so um, I try to think of different big risks to take all the time. So um, I will be quite honest in saying that I have personally emailed the booking agent for Sarah Brillis looking for an opening spot. Take a big risk. You don't know what's going to happen. And I can say is no. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you don't do that, then that means that maybe you don't believe in yourself enough. That maybe mm-hmm. you don't think you deserve that spot. So at the end of the like, so I take big risks all the time and decide what those big risks are. Like find out what scares you. And do it, you know, but I was do it well, like in well manner. Don't <laughs> just like scream mm-hmm. at people and ask for things. But, um, you know, just always take big risks. And I try to take them all the time, you know, whether it's emailing the Rolling Stone and being like, guess what? I just released an awesome record and you should know about it. You're not going to print anything. I know. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's still just believing in that and finding maybe a little bit smaller risk that might turn into something like that. I, you know, emailed the Newton theater looking for an opening spot and they said, Hey, Howie Day is looking for one. And I had that. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, playing at Havana in new hope PA and having that be my record release show spot and then getting to open up for Anna Nolik when she came through town. So, um, you never know where something's going to lead. You know, you never know who is actually in the audience of your show, whether there's five people or a thousand, you don't know. And so just always doing your best, taking those risks have absolutely paid off for me no matter what here's our very last tweet but a number of people have have tweeted this exact same okay Okay, this is from marcia what's the most successful thing that has really helped helped you learn at william patterson um so what have i learned the what was the biggest thing from william patterson i I guess like what was the the best thing that you learned the thing that made the biggest impact on you at william that you learned Um, from the professors here at william patterson I, there's just so there's so many things. Um, I just remember so many stories, and I, I think I think one of my thing favorite things is just all the different stories that I've heard, and um, just the openness that is taught here, the openness to you know just like um, possibilities and change, and um, oh my god, there's so many things that I, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things. Yeah, I, this one specific thing. Um, oh my goodness. This is good radio right now. Oh, this now. is so <laughs> hard. Oh, I just think it's just like, I mean, coming down to like everything I've really learned is just that. I mean, the fact that we're able to teach the things we teach here is just that there's so many possibilities that like you guys have provided access and education and like and intelligence about these topics where I remember when I, I originally, you know, went to college to study jazz and I think I gravitated towards jazz because I think there was just it seemed so much more open and but then I realized I wanted to write more than a scat I wanted to write the whole song I didn't you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's when I started going into being a songwriter and then wanting to learn music industry and I seriously stayed up one night researching 300 different schools and I could not find one that compared to the program that we're starting here at William Patterson and I remember meeting with Dave Kersner the summer before the program was even introduced and the program is so different than what he had described that day just because the students hadn't been in it to change it yet. The professors hadn't started teaching to change it yet. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. has turned into something that has been so beneficial, I think, you know, to students now as, you know, well as during my time when, you know, there was just so many changes happening all at once. But I think the biggest thing was just that 
you know, it was going to happen, you know. So I love all the professors here, and I've learned so much. <laughs> it's great. And she mentioned scatting, so we're going to scat the end of the show. So skibbity boo doo boop bop But uh, we have a few lessons that we can bring up real quick. Um, a, a main lesson is spend your money wisely, and that DIY means DIY. Do-it-yourself really means do-it-yourself and do stuff. Um, a big lesson that you just mentioned a minute ago when we talk about risk was um, step out of your comfort zone and, and do something. If it scares you, do it, mm-hmm. which I think it was a huge thing. And then um, you also talked about free gigs, and a free gig is not necessarily a bad gig. No, not at all. That's great. So uh, we are very happy that we have had Lauren Marsh with us Thank here you. on Music Biz. Thank you so Thank you, much. Marsh. Thank you so much for having me. Buy the Incurable Heart on iTunes. Stream yeah. it on Spotify. Go to laurenmarsh.com. We're also listening to uh, The World is Ours by Ali Mack, our outro Woo! song, Ali Mack. We want to thank uh, producer Philip Gorak. Come scare! <laughs> and of course, we want to thank the always amazingly perfect Esteban Marconi. We are cl- one hour closer to leaving for Anaheim. We one hour closer to 70 degree weather in Anaheim, but we will be back in the very near future. But we want to thank two you weeks. for listening to. In two weeks, we will be back. Until then, you've been listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7. I'm Professor David Kirk Phillip, and I say to you, Taking it over